Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke, here with my cousin, one of my best friends and co-host, Perry. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. I won't lie to you, man. I am just about ready for a cold beer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you guys are going to be hearing this on February 8th, but I will be in the field. So we're recording this at the end of uh, in the end of January. So we're sitting here and haven't had a drink since uh, February 1st or January 1st. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the finish line is in sight. It's been a good, good dry month. Um, I got thrown one of these COVID curveballs that just seem to be kind of the way uh, life is these days this week. So um, ready to get through this week, get to the end of the month and um, pop a top or two. Yeah, man. The, the unfortunate thing for me is because of my field schedule heading out at the end of January, I won't actually get to have a drink until February 11th. So I'm going to get an extra uh, 11 days of this dry, dry spell, which is probably good for me, but it kind of sucks. It's also going to work out that way with my carnivore. Uh, I've decided because I am not going to get to actually do a real cheat meal. I'm just going to do like a cheat snack on the first, just like I've got some chocolate covered pretzel, peanut butter pretzels, and then I'm going to just kind of get back into it. I'm prepping a bunch of food to take out to the field. Yeah, well, follow up uh, 31 days of voluntary sobriety with another couple weeks of involuntary sobriety. I guess that's the army life for you. Yeah, I mean, I can't, definitely can't say it's it's going to be bad for me to to not hit the uh, sauce immediately. But like I said in the, you know the podcast with Evan, I think I'm going to try to. I'll definitely when I do my cheat, I'll, I'll have a, a couple beers, but I'm going to try to limit my alcohol intake. I'm sure we'll probably tie one on pretty good during our uh, our work weekend in February once we're all together with all the boys and stuff. But definitely really want to maintain the, the training focus and in the momentum with uh, with my diet and everything. So. There'll be a little bit of cheating, but kind of keep it within, you know, the parameters and nothing crazy. Yeah, I hear you on that, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. And the reality is, heck, as we've gotten older, some of that's calmed down a bit over the years, anyway. But, um, and I think we're going to get into some of this later. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking myself about, you know, starting, starting a more serious uh, training exercise uh program to to kind of get back into it we've discussed previously and it's something i've kind of gotten away from recently and with some of the hunts and things i have planned for this year is something that i need to start taking more seriously and, and we'll talk more about that later but uh the booze is definitely something that doesn't doesn't do anyone any favors when it comes to that it's always nice to to sit down with when we're all together in the same place or you know with your buddies and, and have a couple but the end of the day, it's it's really not not worth it, especially when uh, when we got stuff to do and you don't want to feel like shit the next day. Yeah, that's the the biggest thing for me these days is I can still party like I'm 23, but shit, I can't wake up the next day like I'm 23. My hangovers yeah. last for like two three days. Yeah, so what happens when you hit your 30s, man? I know we're getting old, dude. What happened? It went by quick. Yep, sure did. So what do we have on the uh, docket for this this week? So, man, I want to kind of cover a couple of listener questions that we've had and then probably getting to, I know me and you have been talking and you had some questions on, you know, some of my training methodology and then where maybe you should go as you're kind of getting back into it. So I figured we could kind of roll into that and then tie it all back into hunting and, you know, maybe some experiences we've had on hunts where physicality and training has come into play and then maybe some stuff for the future to where it's, it's definitely going to come into play. Yeah. Yeah. That all sounds good to me. Um, I know you've been getting a lot of, a lot of questions and I know you're eager to, to put some stuff out to, uh, to some of the listeners so far. So that'd probably be a good place to start. Yeah, for sure, man. So, um, I'll start it off here. I know one of the questions we've been getting a lot is regarding some of the, uh, the restock on the product, different product lines and some of what your specific plans are here now that we're into our first month of, of 2021. So you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So we just, by the time you guys are getting this, you know, it'd probably be about three weeks, two, three weeks. We got our full restock of all the hats. We got some new hats, restocked the flags. So we're kind of catching back up there. We've had some delays. There's a lot of our products are back ordered because of COVID still, you know, the production stuff. And so there's, uh, you know, second order effects of like one, part of the supply chain gets a delay just delays everything back and so you're seeing that across 
you know, the apparel, the hats, I mean, in it, pretty much every industry nowadays. So we've been trying to mitigate that a little bit. Um, you know, the more successful we are, it's nice. I can start expanding our order sizes. So we are ordering more as we're going, especially our more popular items. I mean, the multicam hats, I just can't keep in stock. It's pretty, pretty awesome. But we just added the black ones and those have been going and selling really well. And then obviously we added the, uh, hunt lift eat. We, we got the hunt lift eat flags back in, which are the black flags, which is our logo. But then we added the white deadlifting bear flag. So that stuff's all restocked. And I know all the sizes that you guys want. It's all been ordered about the time you guys are getting this podcast. All the stuff should be coming in, but it's really dependent on COVID. So we don't exactly have a timeline, but I know it should be a, a couple weeks. And so that should be putting us around that February 8th. I, I'm going to be getting out of the field on like the 10th. So hopefully by the time I get out, we can run the inventory by that, that this coming weekend, we'll have all that stuff up and ready to go. And so you guys can, I mean, I love the messages. I really appreciate it, but know that we are restocking it all, but I will say all of our winter clothes, this will be the last restock. So all the sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, anything that's the t-shirts will, will continue to restock, but all the beanies, this will be the last one. So if you guys want the winter clothes, go ahead and grab that, buy it now. Cause I'm not sure what we're going to carry into the next fall line. Some stuff will keep, some stuff will probably you know, put on sale and get rid of. So if you like it, go ahead and buy it. Yeah, for sure. That's good. I'm, I'm excited to get one of those, uh, flags for myself. Uh, that's something I've been kind of putting off. I'm excited for you to get some of those back in. So sounds like you're going to be busy, get out of the field and then probably have a bunch of restocking orders to do. Yeah, it's going to be a bear. I, I've been working with Caroline, who's my wife and, uh, she, we just went through how to do all the labels so she can handle that stuff when I'm gone. Cause this is going to be a pretty long field stint. And then uh, my cousin Emily, who lives with us, she's been doing a lot of the the restocking with the you know folding everything. So I hate to fold clothes, and so I, I've kind of pay her a little bit. She's our first employee, but it's been it's been good having the help, and they're getting more and more involved, which kind of pulls the load off me with my field schedule. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a good resource to have right there. So <laughs> I know another question that you've you've been getting hounded by uh, by my wife for years now, or for at least you know a, a year and a half now is on some of the um, women's line and some of the different ideas and products that you have um, in the pipeline for that. So do you want to talk about some of the, some of the ideas you have for, for women's? Yeah, for sure. So on the women's side of things, so all of our clothes are unisex, but they are not like tailor cut for women's clothing. So like, you know, the, I understand, you know, that's a, there's a demand for that, that you guys, a lot of the, or you ladies, a lot of you guys want that. So the reason we haven't added that yet is because like the percentage of our breakdown for our consumer base is 80, 20, it's 80% male, 20% female. And it's not that I don't care about the 20% female. It's just as we're growing and we're a new company, we just kind of got to maximize our dollars. But now that we're continuing to grow and I have a lot more capital to start putting back into more inventory. Now I'm going to go ahead and start branching into the women's specific clothing. I've had it in the works for a long time. Uh, my wife and I have, have designed it. We've got several tank tops, um, some like, you know, women's cut crew necks, and we're going to do uh, probably some leggings and some shorts. So it's going to be part of the the gym line, but it'll be, you know, set up to, to dual hat as casual wear as well. And you'll see a lot of the, some of the, you know, designs that you've already seen as far as the logos and like the bear, but then you're also going to see some, some new stuff that's tailored specifically towards women. I think that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that's exciting for sure. I know, I know all the female fans and listeners will be excited to see some of that stuff that might actually be a little bit more tailor cut to them. Yeah, I definitely understand the, you know, wanting that tailored women's cut and, and the demand for that for sure. So one of the other questions that I know we've been getting, getting a ton of is how can fans of the brand support the brand other than you know, the obvious ways of, of buying the different products and listening and subscribing to the podcast. But what are some other things that people can do if they want to show their support for the continued growth of, of Hunt Lift Deep? The biggest one is just going to be, you know, spreading the word and help spreading the message and of what we're about and everything we're trying to do. And that's what's been incredible to see so far is the support we already get. I mean, the reposts and the shares and everybody every time we post a podcast episode, everybody's sharing it and telling their, their friends to listen, just a lot more of that. And then just buying the gear, you know, I get a lot of requests for guys that, you know, and, and gals that want to want to support and they want to see this item or that item. 
you know, we've got to sell inventory to bring in more inventory. So give us your feedback, tell us what you'd like to see, but then, you know, if there's something you like, go ahead and buy it or, you know, buy gifts, whatever, you know, we don't, like I said, nobody takes a salary out of this company. You know, it's not that it's not, it is a for-profit eventually I'd, I'd like to, but right now it's just about growth and about providing inventory and, and apparel and merchandise and everything that people want to see. So that's really my focus right now. And what helps us is, is selling and, and moving inventory and then everybody's spreading the word and, you know, the ratings, reviews, subscribing, following, all that stuff's great. But, and then just kind of being good representatives as you're wearing our stuff, like just continue to be good stewards of, you know, hunting and wildlife and, you know, role models in the fitness community and, and keep doing, you know, that, like the positivity and, you know, the kind of setting the standard for what we should be in our community is, is what I really love about a lot of the people that support us. Yeah, hundred percent on that. That's uh, that's all really good stuff. I, I know for me, I've been there've been a couple of times that I've been, like for instance, one day I was in the bow shop prior to hunting season this year, and was wearing a hunt lift eat hat or t shirt or something, and the guy that was in the bow shop there working on my bow asked me asked me about the brand, and I just kind of gave him a quick you know quick rundown of, of what it was, and a couple of the other guys in there you know saw that and heard heard the conversation and. I've had similar experiences wearing some of the gear in, uh, you know, in public, um, you know, academy sports or, you know, what have you in, in those kind of places. And anytime you can just use that word of mouth, um, heck, that's how I run my entire business is, is word of mouth. And that, that positive message to your point is, is some of the, some of the absolute best advertising that, that we can get. So that's, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, word of mouth just carries so much more weight than really any other type of, you know, advertising or marketing because it's got the emotion behind it because you can talk to somebody, look them in the eyes and even more than like, and, and we appreciate all the social media stuff, but even more than a reshare or, you know, ta- a tag or whatever, just like telling your buddies like, hey, this is, you know, this is a podcast you guys should check out maybe like, you know, there's, there's, they're trying to put out some good information or that's really what helps spread our message and spread the word. And, you know, we've, we've gotten a lot of that already and it's just unbelievable. I mean, on, we haven't been able to talk about it because we, you know, we did the forward episodes, but I mean, after dropping episode three, we hit our first thousand listens on three episodes, which I mean, compared to some of the bigger podcasts isn't huge, but I think that's pretty incredible for, you know, a grassroots brand new podcast to hit a thousand listens in, in three episodes. And that's just a testament to the, you know, the loyalty and the, you know, the, the consumer base that we have that they just, you know, really, really appreciate what we're trying to do. And we appreciate the hell out of them for that. Yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely appreciate that. I was, I was blown away when you sent me that graphic the other day, didn't, didn't have any idea that, that we would hit a, a, a thousand listens so quickly. I'm no expert obviously on, on podcast analytics, but it seemed like a lot to me and, and we're just extremely appreciative. We hope I hope you guys continue to uh, to support, and we and we thank everyone for that. Um, so, did you have any did you have any other questions we needed to get to, Luke, or, or was that all all you had? I think that's the the big ones for now. I think what we'll do uh, prior to the episode where we're in the shop together, we're gonna I'll put up on Instagram um, a box in my story for everybody to do a uh, like ask questions for us to answer, and we'll do. I think we're going to try to do like four or five episodes during that weekend just while we're all in person. It's just a little more organic and, and fun to do when we're together. And so we'll do uh, we'll do like a one episode will just be devoted solely to Q&A just for me, you, Evan, you know, all the other guys, whoever's with us. And we can, you know, kind of dig into some of that stuff. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'll uh, I'll use this then as a kind of an opportunity to uh, switch gears and pose something else to you that we had discussed briefly um earlier which is so we had the episode episode two with um with pete discussing some of the you know some of his training endeavors and, and kind of the way he approaches his his fitness and his training geared towards the power lifting and the marathon but what i was thinking is maybe we use myself as a bit of a uh as a bit of an example here because I have, you know, I have an elk hunt for later this year planned out West, which will be my first elk hunt ever. Um, I've, you know, predominantly hunted whitetails on the East coast, um, you know, whitetails, turkeys, squirrel, et cetera, but have never been out West for a hunt. I've done 
some Western adventures when I was a little bit younger for, for uh, camping, backpacking, those types of things. So I'm not totally unfamiliar with the, with the scenery, but I am unfamiliar with the challenges of doing a Western elk hunt at altitude that I'm not comfortable with or, or familiar with. And the past couple of years, just with, with my life and my work, I have gotten away from some of my more consistent fitness regime that, you know, I had done when I was younger. I still stay active. I, I walk in the woods for a living a lot of the time. And so I'm not out of shape by any means, but thought we might use this episode as a good opportunity just for kind of the every man that is not in bad shape, relatively fit, but wants to actually start a regimented training program and not just go out and jog a couple miles here and there um, to kind of pick your brain on what some of the uh, strategies might be and how to approach that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really like that. That'll be a, a good little segment here. Um, so first and foremost, I'm not a personal trainer, right? I'm not certified in anything. I'm not a dietitian. I just read, I study, and I do a lot of stuff on myself. And I've got a, you know, a decent amount of experience in training all the way back to like high school football through my military career. So I just want to like take everything I say with a grain of salt. I would always, you know, consult for any drastic anything like physicians and all those disclaimers. If there's any lawyers listening. So, but yeah, so kind of rolling into that, it's kind of perfect because I'm, I'm finding myself in kind of a similar situation in that like I, I have to stay relatively fit for my job, obviously, but I've really fallen off in the past, I don't know, four or five months. Uh, well, prior to, to, to January of really my, my training, I kind of, it was very sporadic. And it wasn't training. It was, it was exercise. It was very random and there was no um, progression. There was no goals at the end. And so that's, that's why I, where I would kind of delineate the difference between training and exercise. So when you're training, you've got a goal, you know, and you're, you've got a metric that you're trying to hit and you're working a deliberate progression to get there. And so uh, the first thing I, I did, I cut out booze and then I started doing carnivore. And so like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be that drastic. But I think definitely reducing your alcohol intake is never a bad thing because it's it, you lose momentum when you're drinking. You just do. You get a little sluggish. If you wake up hungover, you're going to skip a workout. You eat like shit when you're, when you're drinking, when you're hungover. At least I do. And I think a lot of people do the same. So I think limiting your alcohol intake is very important. And then I also think, you know, focusing on uh, cleaning up your diet a little bit. And that's not to say you have to go drastic carnivore like I did or anything like that. That's I would actually recommend against that for most folks because it's not very sustainable. Um, and so I would just focus on like counting. You don't have to get crazy with your macros, but if you're going to count anything, count your protein. Try to get your uh, your body weight and protein. That's that's just a good benchmark. You should be consuming that in grams. So if you're weigh 175 pounds, you should be consuming 175 grams of protein a day. Uh, as a minimum. And then you can adjust your fat and carbs based on, you know, your metabolism, activity level, whatever. But you guys, you know, shoot me like DMs or whatever, and uh, or I can point you in Anthony's direction if you guys have some specific kind of questions on the nutrition piece. But really focus on your protein and getting your protein from like whole sources. So I, obviously this podcast, a lot of wild game, a lot of meat. Um, whey protein is good, but you can only absorb so much whey at a time, 25 grams. So like guys that like stack their protein shakes for 50 grams, like you're just going to shit out that other 25. So diet, you know, diet is going to be key. Um, and then rest, getting your sleep. So getting your sleep, right. Going to bed early, maintaining a schedule. Those are like the first things you should just fix. And the, the great thing about it is it's pretty easy. You don't need a lot of momentum and a lot of you know, just to like tweak a few things, like cutting out some processed foods, focusing on, you know, what you can catch, kill or grow, limiting your alcohol intake, and then getting good sleep. If you do that, a lot of folks, if you're really overweight, you're going to just start cutting weight anyways. Like in your case, Perry, you're not overweight. You're, you're a fit dude. You just kind of want to get a little more honed on your training. And so you kind of got to set what your goal is, right? Like, are you wanting to, I mean, everybody wants to say I'm bigger, faster, stronger, right? But what does that actually look like? And so if you're training for an elk hunt, that's going to look a little bit different if all you're doing is hunting Midwest whitetails. And so you've got to see exactly or, or measure exactly what those goals are. So like me personally, I need to be kind of, I want to be good at everything, you know? And so I need to kind of have a build a baseline of strength and a baseline of endurance. And so what I would recommend for you, Perry, um, starting out, is to you haven't been lifting weights at all you haven't been doing a whole lot of you know calisthenics you do some running here and then you're just very active on your day-to-day -day, would be to start 
you know, doing something really simple to start. Let's say the first week you're going to do 50 push-ups a day. And when you got that pull-up bar and say, let's say 25 pull-ups and 50 push-ups. And uh, just, just focus on that every day and do something small. Because I think in the first week, all you, like, all you need to do is build a habit. You're not focused on results. You're focusing on changing behavior. And so like for me, when I was coming back into running, it was just run. I didn't care about mileage. I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about speed. It was like, if I feel like shit, I'll run two. If I feel good, I'll run four. If you're really out of shape, maybe it's walking. You're going to go walk a mile a day or, you know, walk 400 meters. But like for you, Perry, I think some body weight calisthenics would be very doable and very easy. You want to set the goal pretty small. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with some of my personal struggles. And I'm imagining what some other people struggle with as well is that consistency, because it's really easy for me to decide that I'm going to start doing, you know, doing those pushups, doing those pull-ups, and I'll knock out several days, a week, two weeks, and be really good about it. And then something happens, you know, you get a work crisis or with COVID, there's all sorts of different complications that can come up and you get a day or two that kind of goes sideways and you lose track of your progress. And the next thing I know, you know, I've slipped back into that, that what becomes a routine of, of not having a routine. And that's been my, my biggest stumbling block, I would say for the past couple of years, it's not that I don't do anything. It's that I haven't done it consistently. And what I want to make a goal in order to really, in order to really pursued the the some of the hunting trips and some of the hunting goals that I've set for myself not just this year but but down the road to get away from just chasing whitetails and some of the some of the familiar um terrain that I'm you know comfortable with I'm I'm used to to walking up and down the the mountains of the Blue Ridge in search of whitetails and turkeys but and while I love to do that I've you know I've I've gotten this itch to go go stretch my legs in other places around the country and chase some other game and now have the the opportunity where I'm kind of in a place in my life where I can actually do some of those things. And what I don't want is my physical fitness level to be a limiting factor in the potential success or failure of some of those hunts that I'm envisioning over the next few years. And I think one of the ways to ensure that doesn't happen is to make myself be better on that consistency thing, especially, you know, now is a great time of, of, of the year to focus on that during the off season, because we don't have those early mornings where we're getting up at, at five o'clock or four thirty or whatever to go sit in a, in a tree stand or a saddle before work. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's something huge that you hit on there. Yeah, that's what I love about starting small, right, is, you know, you're going to fix some behaviors and you're going to fix some lifestyle stuff and then you're going to build in something that's very doable. So like just let's just say, for instance, it's the the 25 pull-ups, 50 push-ups. Okay, so no matter what you're doing in your life, the craziness, the kids, you know, your work, you're always going to have time to knock out that 25 pull-ups and that 50 push-ups, especially if you've done it so routinely that you can do it very quickly and knock them all out and, you know, one set or two sets. Right. And so what, what by building, I like to have some sort of benchmark type workout that is very simple and easy. And that, that way, like it just gets done. Like when I was training, uh, back in this last spring and I, you know, if I was running, I was doing a lot of running and I was getting, you know, my, I was working really on like a five mile time, but I was getting it down. I was doing some distance. And then I was working on my short and speed as well. It was, it was a mile run. It's like, okay, I feel like shit. I don't want to work out. I got everything going. It's like, okay, I'm going to go knock out a six minute mile on the track. It's two minutes from my house. I'm going to drive to the track. The entire, the entire thing from leaving my house, getting to the track, running and getting home would take me about 12 minutes. Like, how do you have an excuse not to do that 12 minute workout in your day? And that's how my mind works is like, and I think a lot of people do is you start rationalizing. And so if I can eliminate the ability for myself to rationalize, I'm going to be that much better off. So I, th I think, you know, I, I think I'm going to talk a little bit less about your specific programming, Perry, right now, because uh, it would probably take me a little while to kind of build out what that would look like, but just some more broad strokes of like how to get into that rhythm that you're going to be able to have that consistency to train you all the way up through September or October for that elk hunt. And so I think starting small for that first week, maybe, you know, 
you probably do need to do some running to build some endurance, especially because you're going to be, you know, operating, you know, 6,000 feet higher than where you currently are. So maybe it's, it's that 20, 25 pull-ups, 50 push-ups, and then uh, a 400 meter sprint. You know, you just do that. You measure out 400 meters on, on your road. You take a can of spray paint. I'm not telling you to face the road, but I mean, you put a little dot and a little dot, you know where it's at, measure it off. And then you can just know that that, that's like what you're going to hit every day. And so now you've got a little mix of some strength and then that uh, cardiovascular with that quarter mile sprint. And you just do that for a week, just every day. And it's very simple. But what you're doing is you're now building the habit of, hey, I got to do this. I got to do this. And it's like, hey, I got to make time. Like put the kids down. It's dark. It's cold. I don't want to, but I got to. And you just knock it out. I think that's a, uh, a really good point. I don't want to, but I got to something that you just look at, you know, there's every, we all have these things that we have to do every single day, regardless of, of where you are and what you're doing. You just have, you have those things you have to check off the list. And if that's one of those things for me that I need to add to my list, then then you're right. It's just, it has to be done. Um, and it's, it's probably going to be tough for me because I haven't done it consistently in so long, shaking off some of that rust and, you know, those first few days, you know, probably I'm guessing won't be too bad, but then that soreness kicks in. And then, uh, like you say, it's, it's going to be cold outside or it's, you know, raining or whatever. And then, you know, how do you, how do you shake off that rust and, and uh, continue the mindset of, of um, make sure that you still, you still put the work in. That's, that's one of those things that, that I think is, is crucial for folks and, and will absolutely apply to myself. Yeah. I think in some ways it can be harder for folks that like used to be fit. I know for me, like I'm kind of a meathead and I've been historically pretty strong, you know, relatively speaking. And so hell this morning, I I was literally thinking about doing some sort of podcast on this and then talking about when you're getting back into it and you're shaking the rust off, how to, you need to be very measured in the work you're doing because it's very easy to overdo it. You think about what you used to do, or you think about where you used to be and like, you want to push. And then you start to get that, you get that short burst of motivation as you're getting back into it. And then you like really want to throw down and then like, you can't walk the next day. And so you're like sore as shit. And this morning I was, I was deadlifting and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hover here at this one weight because I know I can do it for reps. And it felt, you know, but it felt too good. It was too light. And I was like, I'll go up a little more, a little more. And then I, you know, I missed a a, a weight that I should have hit. Um, you know, historically I would have been no problem. And I had no business going after that right now. I, I'm, I'm getting back into deadlifting for the first time in probably six months. Should have just stayed with the, you know, the lower weight and sitting around like 405 and just gotten my reps in. But instead I got aggressive and I got stupid. So have that measured approach. And that's why I suggest something pretty easy for that first week. And by week, I mean seven days. I, I like to do seven days consistently because I think the seven days versus five, like you don't think about the weekends. You just do your seven days. And it just helps build it. And if it's something easy enough that you're not going to be that sore, you're not going to be, you might be a little sore after 50 push-ups, but you're not going to be, it's not like you just finished a CrossFit workout and your whole body is like fucking seized up. And so I think that's kind of the key is to start small, shake the rust off. And now we can start, you know, transitioning into what the actual training will look like. Yeah. And what I really like about that approach is that it doesn't require any sort of extravagant expense or having access to, to highly specialized equipment, at least, at least for someone like myself, that's, that's really just looking at this as, as a way to, you know, kind of achieve some, some personal goals. I'm, you know, I respect the hell out of what Anthony is doing and what Pete is doing. But, um, at the end of the day, I've, I've got different goals than, than those guys have. And so I don't, uh, I don't necessarily have to worry about the weights and the gym, I'm I'm just trying to get in better in better shape for myself to accomplish my goals, primarily in terms of some of the hunts I want to go on. And so, the calisthenics, the body weight, the push ups, the pull ups, the running, um, that's all stuff that is you can do basically anytime, anywhere. You just got to carve out carve out a few minutes here and there and get it done. Yeah, it absolutely you know is great because it's so accessible to everybody. I am a big fan. And even for your program, and if I do do it, I'm going to recommend that you're getting into some weights. Like we've talked about you getting a kettlebell. You've already got a weight vest. You don't have to like have an extravagant, like I have a pretty robust garage gym. I've got, you know, sleds, prowlers, Atlas stones. I've got a bunch of stuff. You don't need all that. Like 
it's nice. I like having options. I like being able to vary up my workouts and mix it up and, and do different things, but not body weight's good. And I, I think it's a great way to get started, but I think eventually you definitely need to get into some weight training and some weighted training because with that progression, you're going to build like muscle is armor. And a lot of people don't, don't think of it that way. Muscle can be a liability if you're too big. Like me and Anthony were talking the other day, like he was walking around right now, I think like 265. I was like, dude, like you're, he was talking about going on an elk hunt. And I was like, man, you got to cut like probably 30, 40 pounds. So all that mass is going to require a lot of oxygen. And you've got to move that up the fucking mountain on top of your pack, on top of, you know, potentially carrying out of an animal. Like he's a prime candidate for altitude sickness at that weight. And he, and he knows it. he's very intelligent. He understands this stuff better than I do. So he, he knows we've talked, we were talking about it. Like once he stops competing, he's going to have to cut down um, to be able to do this stuff. And so that's just an example of why there, there's a balance there. Like if you're too skinny and you don't have any muscle, you're not protecting your ligaments and your tendons and your joints. So you need to build that muscle. And that's where that kind of ties back into that protein intake. And then it also is going to tie into when you're training. And so when we talk about like progression and training, you know, we start out with some of the calisthenics. We're just getting those, those muscle patterns, you know, you're, you're working that muscle mind connection for those movement patterns. And so air squats, you know, this is basically, I'm, I'm assuming this is, you know, to your case, Perry, which is like, you've done a little bit of weightlifting, but not a lot. Most of the stuff you've done throughout your life has been kind of calisthenic based. So this is how I would kind of take you. If, if you're, you know, your listeners have a more of an experience with weightlifting, you don't have to start at this level. You can kind of progress differently. So it's, it's all kind of dependent on where you're at individually, but yeah, I would, I would focus on, uh, some lower body stuff. So a lot of lunges, um, air squats, the pull-ups, push-ups, but then I would start incorporating in the kettlebell stuff, the putting that weight vest on, you know, maybe 10, 15 pounds in the weight vest to start doing some of those squats, you know, getting that volume in, doing a lot of, I'm a really big fan of lunges. You can take that kettlebell, you hold that kettlebell up in like a front rack position, like a, like a goblet position. So you think of like the ball of the kettlebell at your chest and the handles up by your chin and your, your hands are on the handle, you know, and you have a 70 pound kettlebell or whatever, and you're doing you know, 50 meters of lunges down and back. Like, dude, that's brutal, brutal. And you're going to start building those muscles that you're going to need for, you know, the mountain, those, those lower body muscles. But you also want to develop, you know, one of the pull-ups are going to come into play. And a lot of the is in the kettlebell swings is you got to develop your back because you're going to be carrying a pack. And so the, I really like kettlebell swings for working on some of that lower body, your posterior chain from, you know, your whole back, your glutes, your hams. And so I would kind of focus on that balance of, some of the, the body weight stuff, but then incorporating in weighted, you know, elements into uh, your training and like slowly do those incremental, you know, increases. And so like, you don't want to just rush anything as you're learning a new movement pattern. Like the biggest, my biggest, I've done a lot of CrossFit in my life. I actually like CrossFit. I think it's got some, the, the really good gyms have a lot of uh, great things to offer, but the problem with a lot of CrossFit is they rush people into movements they're not comfortable with either physiologically or like mentally. And then they have them do it too quickly with too much weight and it, it can result in injury or, you know, some people like act legitimately like get afraid when they drop the weight or whatever, they fall down. And so I think that's like the biggest issue with CrossFit. And so I think a more measured approach of only doing things that you are capable of, you're comfortable with, and then what your body can handle because you've put it, you've put it through those movement patterns at lower weights and then done a progressive loading where you've increased the weight. Does that make sense? I kind of rambled there a little bit, but no, I think that definitely makes sense. And, and, uh, I like what you said about the, the measured approach because, and you've touched on this before, but I, I think that when it gets right down to it is probably at least from someone sitting in my, in my shoes, it sounds like that's kind of the difference between what I would consider just doing exercise and, and, you know, staying in shape by, by, what I would kind of consider just kind of random, um, without really much direction, without really much forethought, you know, exercises, whatever those may be, whether that's CrossFit, whether that's hiking, whether that's running versus an actual regimented training program that, you know, has that incremental approach, has that, that measured, um, progress where you're, you're keeping track of, of what you're doing, how you're doing it, making sure that you're not, getting in too deep, too fast with something that, that your body is not familiar with. That's that to me, 
probably is like the biggest take home for someone that's that's trying to to actually develop a true training program and not just going out and and telling themselves I'm going to exercise today. Yeah, because what happens is, and one of the my other gripes with with CrossFit is what what happens is folks get into CrossFit, they get a massive endorphin rush off this high intensity workout. Problem with the high intensity workout is you're going to see some pretty sharp strength gains uh, early on because with anything that's high stress, your body adapts quickly, right? So the the human body is a very incredible machine. I mean, think about it from the aspect of like somebody like within this, the scale of the same species, you've got Thor, the power lifter, you know, the mountain from fucking uh, game of Thrones. And you've got Lance Armstrong, this little skinny guy who can bike up, you know, granted he had some enhancement, but so does Thor spoiler alert. (laughs) Right. But like the the spectrum of what the human body can do is incredible. And the human body adapts to stress and can adapt to stress very quickly. And so when you get into CrossFit and you go and do a HIIT workout, you're doing a very stressful workout, right? Your entire, <clears throat> your entire system is going through an extreme, it's almost like a fight or flight. That's why you're getting the, the endorphin release after the workout, because it's this very intense and there's, I love it. It's awesome. There's there's a lot of room in everybody's training regimen for doing some hit training. However, when that's all you're doing, you're going to force some very quick adaptation. You're going to skyrocket, but then you're going to plateau, and then you're going to lose it very quickly if you don't maintain that for a long period of time. And that's what I've noticed. I can put my body through some very intense workouts and a lot of intensity, and I can do it for a period of three months, and then I can... I can take my, you know, my five mile time from 45 to 35 in a couple months very quickly. But then if I don't run for three weeks or four weeks, I just lose everything. And so when you do a slow, steady measured approach, whether it's diet or your training, you're going to make that adaptation that's going to last. So when I was doing all my strength training, uh, really started in Afghanistan. I mean, it started when I was, when I was little, I started weightlifting very young. It's probably why I'm so fucking short. It's actually a myth. But so starting out with, you know, weight training early and then doing that throughout my whole life and then getting really dedicated to it on my uh, second deployment, I did that, maintain a lot of consistency for several years. I didn't touch a weight for six months and I was still able to pull 515, which was not that much less than my, uh, you know, my PR being 595 after six months of not touching it. So what happens is once you, you build that, that consistent adaptation for whatever you're doing, your body will maintain that significantly better. That is, that is like really the, I'm not explaining this very well, but that's why one of the benefits of doing the slow, steady, consistent progression is you're going to maintain those gains for significantly longer. And that's why consistency, like if you want to get strong, if you want to get fit, it's going to take years. Like true strength takes years. That's that old man strength. Like our papa used to be able to take a 16 pound sledgehammer, hold it down at the base, hold it out in front of him and touch his nose with it. Somebody should go try that. Like I used to think I was strong. I can't even lift it up. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I was actually thinking about that the other day. And the reality is I don't, I don't know if Paul Paul ever touched a weight in his life, but what he did was he worked his ass off for a living. He was a, he was a farmer. He was, he was out there working the land every single day, the horses, the cattle, building the fence, fixing the equipment, uh, you know, all the carpentry work, all the, all the metal working. He, he did it all, you know, and I mean, that man Shoeing horses, swinging yeah, that hammer. Exactly. And so you, you want to talk about a, a consistent approach. <laughs> it, it, he, he did it seven days a week, basically from the time he got out of the military when he was a a fairly young man. And so the, you know, he taught, um, he taught shop there at the local high school and taught agriculture. And, and we all have heard the stories about, you know, from some of the, some of the guys that we know that had him as, as their teacher or some of his, some of his uh, feats of strength that he used to do with that, with that sledgehammer and et cetera. And, and I would be shocked if he ever actually picked up a weight, but, but that is just like I said, he, he, he did it consistently. He did it 
pretty much his entire life. And, um, it was just, it was part of who he was. And he was, he was a strong dude. I, I think, I think what you said makes a lot of sense about that slow buildup and then not, you know, ma- and then the ability to then maintain that for longer. And that's, that's definitely something, you know, we were, we were joking about getting older, uh, earlier. That's, that's something else I've thought a lot about recently as I've been thinking that I needed to, to actually start taking my physical fitness more seriously is, man, I don't want to be one of those, um, you know, one of those people that, that when you get to a certain point in your life, um, just because of, of your age that you're unable to do the things you want to do. There's a lot of stuff I enjoy doing that requires a, a certain aspect of, of physical ability that up until this point hasn't ever really been a challenge for me. Um, and I, you know, I think of our papa, he was, he was working the farm well into his, his sixties. Um, he, he did die young at, at 70, but he was still out there doing, doing all those same things, even as, you know, somewhat older man and that ability to, to maintain that throughout, not just, you know, a a short span of time, but basically your entire life is something that, that I've thought a lot about recently. And that's, that's another the, the the hunts the upcoming hunts and some of my goals for that is definitely a factor for me but then the other thing is is making sure that 20 years from now 30 years from now I still have the ability to go out there and do what I want to do and that I don't lose um you know some of those some of those gains that that I may have made as a younger man that's I think that's something that that uh that is very important to me right now one of the leading indicators of uh like folks as they get older, whether or not they're going to end up in nursing homes is uh, leg strength. And they, there's been a ton of studies showing about how, if you never stop lifting weights as you're getting older, you retain so much, you know, I, I don't know all the percentages. I, I can't spout that off offhand, but like you retain so much more of your muscle mass and you don't have that atrophy that a lot of older folks go through. Um, and so that's, that's, that's key. And I think that's very important is we get a lot, especially with social media, you know, whitetail fit, fit to hunt, train to hunt, all these hashtag, all this, this, and this, we kind of get wrapped up and it's like, Oh, we got to train for our sports, you know, whether it's hunting or whatever, which you do. And I think sports specific training is important. However, but I think there's a overall just lifestyle, right? Like I hunt because I enjoy it and it's a passion, but I also hunt because I enjoy eating something that's healthy and, you know, building my life around that. And then I train to be able to do all these things, but then I also want to be able to, you know, when I have kids, you know, be a father, be a good role model, be fit, you know, be a, a role model in my community, especially with this, this pandemic of obesity we have. I mean, let's not even talk about how we should talk about it. You know, with COVID, you know, the, the best way to not die from COVID is to be physically fit, and not be obese. That's like the number one, you know, way to not die, not the fucking vaccine. Why are we yeah. pushing a vaccine more than we're pushing a healthy lifestyle, a good diet and being physically fit. Because if we had a nation of everybody being physically fit, we would have very few COVID deaths. No, you're, you're hundred percent right on that. You factor in, um, obesity, you factor in diet, um, which are both tied to immune health. Um, all, all those factors absolutely contribute. And, you know, COVID is, is highly serious and not diminishing anything from it. But the reality is there's, there've been a lot of healthy people out there, that take care of themselves that have, that have come down with it and have, you know, had very, very minor symptoms and their, their bodies have been, have been conditioned and trained to, to fight it off. And it hasn't really been a problem for them. And I don't think you can, I don't think you can take anything away from the, the severity of the, the, uh, the pandemic in the U S to some of the other, issues that we face with, with our society and, and how we, the things we're putting in our body, the lifestyles we're choosing, the amount of time we're spending, um, you know, in front of a screen, not spending time outdoors, you know, not getting that sunlight, not getting that vitamin D, not, not taking care of our immune health. All those things absolutely play a role. And, and it, it's something that, you know, honestly, something like a COVID pandemic sweeping through a nation should be a wake up call to a lot of people to do that. And I think it has been for a lot. So I think that that is a a silver lining, but um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's enough to really steer that ship 
for for our country as a whole. Yeah, I don't know either. I think there's definitely been a shift, though. I mean, you see the the increased number of hunters. I think people saw the grocery shelf store or the stores. Jesus, I can't talk. They saw the grocery stores shelves <laughs> go barren. All the meat you couldn't find meat anywhere. And I'm sitting here on a massive deep freezer loaded down with venison, wild pig, and and beef from my dad's farm, thinking all you guys have been doing it wrong. And I think a lot of people realize that. And the numbers of hunters. Some of it was probably having nothing better to do being in quarantine, but the hunter numbers just skyrocketed. And I think of new hunters, I think that's awesome. And I think that's some of that is probably tied to people like realizing like maybe we need to pay more attention to what we're putting in our bodies and, you know, how we're, how we're living our lives. And I know my wife and I were talking about during quarantine, it was kind of a wake up call for me. We were so active because we had a lot of time. And so we were walking the dogs like five miles a day. I was running, I was training. And you start, you know, having this time. And I think people could realize, like, we can slow down a little bit. We can unplug from a lot of this stuff and a lot of the things that we think might may or may not be a necessity. We can start focusing on our holistic health. Because what I think kind of gets lost is the link between your fitness, your diet, your sleep, so your overall lifestyle, and then your mental health as well. Um, you see guys coming out of the military, I was listening to a, a guy, he's a former uh, unit operator, uh, Delta Force is, is called the unit. And I was listening to him and talking about coming back and how messed up he was. Um, he was having some pretty uh, significant issues with PTS, dysfunction in his relationships with his wife, like all this stuff. And he decided, you know, I need a reset. And so he got out of the army well, after he retired and they did a three, three week hike on the uh, John Muir Trail. And he hadn't been sleeping very well, hadn't slept well in years. And being on that natural cycle of just getting up, you know, whether it could be working, he was walking, but then walking till it was dark and he was exhausted. He fell asleep. There was a a reboot of his like circadian rhythm where he was just able to sleep. And it's basically fixed his sleep issues, that reset. And I think there's something to that. And I've noticed it in myself. I talked about previously with carnivore, how it's helped my diet. When I am working hard and I go to bed exhausted, I sleep. When I don't work hard, you know, that's when I might have the mind race where I'm sitting there and I I can't go to sleep. And so I think having that, you know, focusing on the mental health aspect as well, it all feeds back into itself. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think, I think there's an important distinction to make as well there, because I know for myself, I have days where I am putting a lot of, a lot of hours in behind a computer screen for my job, you know, I am fortunate that as part of my job, I do get to spend a lot of time outdoors, um, walking around, hiking around. Um, but on the other hand, I also spend a lot of time behind a computer doing, doing paperwork, um, and, and kind of that side of things. And so to your point about sleep, you know, we both grew up doing, doing a lot of hiking and backpacking and, and, and heck, my father was a, was an absolute workaholic at times. And, and, I think I've inherited some of that from him and, and you put in a long day of, of whether it's hiking, whether it's hunting, you know, any, any type of physical activity out, you know, cutting firewood, um, whatever it is, you know, working out, lifting weights, you know, any type of physical activity is absolutely going to help your sleep. But what I have noticed is that I can do, I can do put in a long day of, of quote unquote work, you know, what I would consider billable work and it it doesn't have that same effect. Um, those are the nights for me personally, where I don't sleep as well. I do wake up the next day, not feeling right. You know, the neck is stiff, the back is sore. Um, you know, you've been hunched over that computer screen or, or, or locked up, um, you know, doing, doing teleconferences and, and zoom meetings or whatever conference calls. I, for me, that even though even though I consider that you know a, a different type of work, it, it's absolutely not not beneficial to the sleep schedule. Getting that consistent um, physical activity and, and man, I remember some of those backpacking trips that we went on. You would absolutely be out the second you the second your your head hit the ground, and you literally you know sleeping on the ground. It's not like you were in some nice comfy mattress. Um, you, you know you, you're on the ground with a pad and a, and a sleeping bag and Sometimes it's, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's wet, but you sleep great because you've been going at it all day. And that's, that's something that I think would, would absolutely benefit a lot of people is getting that, that regular 
um, exercise, that regular physical activity, help with your sleep. You know, sleep is crucial for your immune system. And, and I think the average American sleeps like, you know, the average American adult sleeps like six hours a night or something. Um, you know, it's, it's not nearly enough. You know, I, I think that's something else that could absolutely play a factor in the severity of, of the COVID pandemic that, that we've seen in the U.S. Yeah, I think it plays, you know, a, a large role in, in COVID and, you know, pretty much any illness, virus, you know, bacterial infection, whatever. But it also is going to affect the, the, the mental health crisis we have in this country. You know, when you I like to look at everything kind of from like an evolutionary standpoint of how did we evolve as a species and then how did we get to where we are now? And there's a disconnect somewhere like we we, we wouldn't have evolved to have the chemical imbalances in our brains at the rate that we have them today. So that tells me, you know, and this is, you know, whatever speculation from a dumb hillbilly, but like I just draw the conclusion that there's got to be something that's environmental. And I think it's our lifestyle. We don't, we don't work hard and get that level of exhaustion that we need to, to be able to actually fall into that deep sleep. We're constantly stimulated uh, when our, our brains are constantly stimulated with screens, with, you know, information flow constantly. I mean, you've got the, answers to the universe at your fingertips and it's just at a rate every second you're just getting spammed with something and then you factor that into an absolute just new dearth of nutrients in our food where we've got this just ultra processed food even our vegetables these days with the mass production they don't have the same nutrients as what you know your grandma pulled out of the garden you know back in the fucking 20s and so we're living in like a nutritional you know desert our meat doesn't have the same level of nutrients that it had back in the day. The, you know, the, the fat in the meat has issues because the animal has been animals store nutrients and toxins in the fat. It's kind of a oversimplification there, but like if you have an animal that eats nothing, but like I'm kind of stumbling through here, but like they, they basically eat a bunch of shitty corn, right? And a feedlot, like a cow, it's not meant to eat corn. The fat and the meat is not going to have the same nutritional content of an animal that eats what it's kind of evolved to eat. And so, I think that's the overall problem we're sitting on now is we've got this lifestyle that feeds into this dysfunction across the board. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, you know, you were talking about um, some of the, in, in regards to some of the agriculture and even some of the, you know, a lot of people think you can just go to the grocery store and, and get, get some veggies and, and that's healthy. But a lot of those issues that, that we've seen in regard to the nutrient dearth are, are actually, you know, soil problems. We've depleted our soils of a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the minerals that were, that were found naturally in there that then the plants took up, um, you know, these are, these are trace minerals and trace elements that we need. And the plants took them up from the soil. The animals took them from the plants. We took them from the animals and, and we had a, you know, we were kind of supplementing naturally with that. Um, a lot of that has been depleted out of our soils. And I think that's a contributing factor as well. Um, that's, that's actually kind of been a, an interest of mine recently is digging into a little bit of some of some of the science behind some of those um, s- some of the techniques regarding uh, what's kind of um, referred to now as regenerative agriculture, which has kind of become a, a popular term. But it's fascinating stuff, and and I think to your point, when you factor in all of those things, and and then you you talk about something as serious as mental health. Um, there's a, it is obvious that something is missing there. And I think to tie it back in, you know, maybe, maybe that is, it was part of the reason why we did see a, a influx of new hunters, you know, during this COVID pandemic. Um, and I, I, I strongly hope that continues. It'll, it'll be interesting to monitor some of those numbers as we move, hopefully out of this pandemic, um, at some point, but, I hope personally that we as hunters, as people that have been exposed to this lifestyle, do everything we can to retain as many of those new hunters as possible, because I think it it's only going to provide people another mechanism to, to, um, to attack some of these, these, you know, problem points that they may be dealing with, whether it's mental health, whether it's nutrition, whether it's physical fitness, um, what have you. And for me, you know, this upcoming elk hunt 
is something I've dreamed about my entire life. I've been a hunter since I was a kid, but I've never been out West chasing elk. And I hope that, that others that have dreams of, of hunts they want to go on, um, can, can maybe, you know, use some of this, this information as a way to, to stay motivated, to do what they need to do in terms of, of their diet, their, their physical fitness and, um, and stay, you know, stay in the world of hunting and, and hopefully pass that along to, to future generations. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of went on a little bit of a couple of tangents there, but I didn't really expect it to go, but I think it is important stuff, um, how it all ties back into the holistic person. And I think, you know, that, that approach of the consistency over intensity and the slow incremental gains and the slow incremental progression through your workouts and your training, it builds upon itself to not even just like you're working out in your fitness, but then also into your behaviors and your success in life. And when you can be committed and consistent with one thing that you can start to apply those same principles to other things, maybe it's uh, financial discipline with your money or uh, investing, whatever, chipping away at debt, you can start to apply those same because discipline is discipline across everything. And so you got to build that discipline in. And it's not to say you're not going to slip. Like, I mean, we just said, like, I've gone through spouts, you know, spurts of my life of extreme discipline. And then I, you know, slack off for a few months. Like it, it happens. But the key is just to, to check yourself and to build the patterns of behavior and to surround your pe- yourself with people that are doing similar things and that'll hold you accountable. And then putting yourself out there, that's that's one of the things, like I've said in the past about this podcast is cool because it's kind of like a check. Because if I decide I want to bitch out from doing my uh, marathon in June, there's going to be a lot of people that know about it. And they're going to be like, wow, look at this guy. Like, that's like I got to run that marathon in June. It's like giving me some anxiety, man. 26 miles. I don't know what I really got myself into. I ran <laughs> six the other day and I was struggling, you know, like 26 miles is far. And so by building your life in such a way, that you can have some of the the checks and balances, you know, making sure your partner's on the same page with you in life. And, and so you guys can grow together and work together, get your life on track if you're not there or to continue to improve it. If you are, that's important being on the same page, that core group of people you have finding your tribe, building that tribe out. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's paramount. And that's what I love about the community we've been building. And I, I think it's awesome. And I think we can continue, continue to do it. Yeah, I really hope so. And I think that's part of the, one of the things that has been so attractive to people about this brand. And I I really hope we can continue is, is that tribe, is that community um, atmosphere, um, which is crazy considering like personally, I haven't even met a lot of these team members um, in person yet. It's just been, you know, via, via social media outlets and, and, you know, messaging on, on the cell phone, et cetera. So to, to have a, a community of, of people that, that all are going to hold each other accountable, you know, whether that's just, you know, giving each other shit, which is oftentimes what it, what it ends up being. But, you know, honestly, that's fine. Like, and then, and then the ability to also, you know, come in and, and give you the positive feedback when it's needed and to, uh, to provide the motivation. And, and then you see other guys working hard, you see other guys, exercising that discipline in whatever aspect of their life it is professionally, um, financially, physically, whatever. That's, that's all highly motivating for me personally. It, it's been great because it's kind of given me a little kick in the ass here to just start thinking about some of, some of these things that I've let slip in, in recent years. And, and, um, and I'm excited to, to change that. Yeah. I really love what you just said about, you know, the, the talking shit and kind of being hard on each other. I think that in a, in a world where body positivity and, you know, not offending anybody is just the norm where you're going to get, you know, you want to call it canceled or you want to get, you know, ostracized or whatever. I think it's important, especially with a, a group of folks that are mature and a little more maybe aggressive and type a, if you will, they can understand and they could take that. Like if I'm, getting like, I like the fact that I'll get shit for being fat when I'm getting fat and out of shape. Like, that's good. Like, does it hurt a little bit? Like we're all laughing. Like, sure. It should hurt because I know I'm fucking fat and I need to get, I need to get this 15 pounds off and I need buddies that'll tell me I need to get these 15 pounds off. That's important. You need to have 
a base that will be honest. Like, yeah, we support each other and we love each other. But if somebody's like doing something out, out of line or they're doing something that's not right, or if they're, you know, not being healthy, not making right decisions, we need to call each other out on it. And you need to have the maturity and the self-confidence as a person to be able to take that, receive it, process it, not just get offended and shut down and become defensive, which is like the norm today. And that's completely okay. And it should be, Hey, this comment was made. Does it matter? Is it true? No. Okay. I can move on. Or, Oh, this is true. Shit. Maybe I need to take a good hard look in the mirror and make some changes in order to fix whatever my problem is. So I I think that's key. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and the great thing about that in terms of, you know, our tribe, our group is hell you and you and Evan and I have been doing that to each other our entire lives. Uh, even as kids and but the difference is we do it to each other in front of ourselves we do it you know it's face to face these are things we actually you know say to each other when we need to when we need to call someone out when we need to hold someone accountable whether it's good natured fun uh, talking shit or whether it's actually you know something a little more serious it's not it's not over a computer screen um, and that I think that that mentality of of being so so easily offended, so, you know, worried about hurting someone's feelings or so, uh, so fearful of being canceled has been, has been made far worse by the fact that we have all these keyboard warriors on social media and on the internet that, that aren't, aren't saying these things to people in front of them. Um, it, it's really, really easy to type something, but it's, it's a lot harder to actually sit down, have a conversation with someone, hold them accountable if you can do that with your, with your friends, with your peer group, with your, with your family, um, you know, certainly with your spouse in, in, in a, in a, in a respectful and loving way, um, those open lines of communication, real communication, actually being, being truthful, being forthright and, and, uh, and not fearful of the, whether or not, you know, someone, someone's going to try to get you canceled is, is absolutely something that I, I strongly believe in. And I think, I think the, uh, I think I can speak for, for the entire team, the hunt lift eat team, that, that that's, that's something that we all, we all can agree on. And I, I love the fact that, that, um, that we're trying to put that message out there. Yeah. I kind of want to summarize this episode because I think we touched on a lot of different stuff, but you know, for everybody who's been listening to, to the rambling to, you know, for your training, you know, how to get started, you know, start incrementally. So build a habit, build a change in behavior, focus on your sleep, your diet and limiting your alcohol intake. Now you've established that let's take a week. Let's take seven days and be consistent. Focus on consistency, whatever it is, pick, pick it. it, it it's going to be whatever your personal goal is. Like maybe you're extremely overweight and you haven't been uh, active in a long time. Maybe it's just walking to the mailbox and back. That's fine. Whatever it is, do that for a week, seven days, nonstop. Just do it. Build that behavior, build that change, build that repetition. Now you've done that. Let's fo- focus on getting into some training. Now you're going to focus on that progression and it's going to be different for everybody. And, you know, going forward, uh, we'll bring Anthony on. I, we can talk. We'll, we'll do some kind of some deep dives and like how to train for maybe some specific stuff. But now I kind of want to just focus on the, the broader strokes. So like, you start that training. Now you're going to focus on those small incremental increases over the long period of time. If you miss a workout, it's okay. You don't have to punish yourself. You don't fall off the wagon. You say, fuck it. And then you knock out the next day and you do it and you get consistent. It's okay to slip up. The key is to get right back on and do it again and maintain the consistency. And if you are making those excuses to yourself, have whatever that little workout was, that's really simple and very quick. Might be five minutes of burpees. That's pretty miserable, by the way. But whatever it is, just jump on it and knock that out. Build that consistency. Consistency over intensity. That's what I'm. That's my little mantra. Well, I guess I have two: burning the ships and a consistency over intensity for 2021, and trying to to maintain that. And so I would just challenge everybody that's listening. I mean, a lot of you guys that follow along and listen to this are absolute studs and studettes. You guys are crushing it. Uh, you guys train very hard. But I know a lot of folks are kind of on that in between. They they want to train. Uh, they want to get back into it or they want to start and they, they haven't gotten there yet. So just focus on that small incremental progress. And I think, I think everybody can crush it, man. I think we can focus on 
doing some badass hunts and getting to that level of fitness that we all want to get to. Yeah, that's totally it, man. Hold each other accountable. Um, stay consistent, get some sleep and keep your eye on the prize. And, and hopefully at some point in the near future or a little you know, further out, maybe we'll be having a conversation, looking back on this and say, we, maybe we use some of these things we talked about today and, uh, and someone's got a, an elk down or, uh, or something similar where, where we can actually have a little bit, a little bit of a success. And, and I'm hoping that's, that's going to be the case. Yeah. At the very least, you know, on June 6th, uh, probably around the evening time frame, you guys are going to hear about 1500 pounds or at least my shot at it. And then a freaking marathon. So that should be pretty entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I want to, I want to know what your time's going to be. So keep training, man. Yeah, anything under uh, 10 hours, we'll call it good, huh? (laughs) Sounds good to me. All right, everybody. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We're a little bit past an hour now. But as always, I appreciate the hell out of you. I know Perry does too. So does everybody uh, that works with Hunt, Lift, Eat. You guys are absolutely incredible. Um, I'm blown away daily by the support, by the messages, by everybody that purchases our apparel, by the word of mouth that we talked about. I mean, it's incredible. Guys, keep it up. Uh, we've got big plans and you guys are paramount and key to all of that. So just thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Um, as always, if you guys want to follow our brand page, it's on Instagram. It's at Hunt Lift Eat Official. Uh, we're actually on uh, on TikTok now, which is weird for me to say, but I decided I'm, I made the mistake in the past about not getting in on some social media. So I'm going to go ahead and try this thing out. We're not going to do any stupid dance videos. We're really just going to be focused on uh, but just putting out some lifting content, some training content, and then uh, probably some cooking content too. I really want to start tailoring some cooking to it. So it'll be videos, but it's not going to be like the stupid, you know, teenage uh, videos that are that are going up. But yeah, it's also at Hunt Lift Eat Official. If you want to follow my personal page, it's at luke.d.cox. And definitely subscribe to this podcast. As always, thank you guys so much. You're the best.